The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello and welcome to the Power of Play series. I am April Wyatt, your wellness advocate, and I am just so grateful that you chose to be here today to discover new ways to evoke play in your life. And I want you to think about the last time when you were really carefree, when you just let go and really having a good time and not really thinking about all the things, right? Who were you with? Where were you at when you're thinking about that? And, and having that experience in the moment. And this is the part of remembering your essence, as I talked about in a past podcast. You know, your internal spark, that light that nobody can dim. So what if you made that part of your priority for your wellness? Play. How different do you think your life would be? Because play is natural. It's spontaneous. It allows creativity and your self-expression. And it connects you to your abundance. And also that aliveness of being alive in the moment, right? Letting go of expectations or judgments of yourself and allow to go with the flow, right? Everybody is so busy, so scheduled. uh, We don't even make time to play anymore. It's like once we start going to school, plays out the window, right? But that's what's important, And this conditioning of there's no time to play, I have to get back to work, you know, within that mindset, play is seen as being foolish and not useful, and it holds no value in that mindset, which the opposite is true. And that's why I've invited my next guest, Debbie Happy Cohen. And she's here with us today to play and bring a fresh approach to the power of play. I met Debbie through a virtual online session. And when I first saw her, I knew she would be an amazing component for this series. As Debbie is a transformational coach who's worked in the corporate world. And at one point, she just decided to take the leap of faith because she wanted to create more meaningful relationships where people felt heard and valued. So she created her own business, Joy-Based Living. I know you will enjoy Debbie. 
as much as I do because of the energy she brings and most of all, her no frills approach as she walks side by side to offer guidance on your path to joyful living. So without further ado, welcome Debbie Happy Cohen. Welcome to the show. Thank you, April. <laughs> yes, thank you. Look at you shining your light. And I hope that if you're listening on the podcast, I hope you jump over to YouTube at another date. So that way you can actually see Debbie, see her vibrance and her amazing background that she has there. Yes, there's so much to see. And that's another reason why when I first connected with her, it was like, oh, I want to know more about her because of all the things happening and just the presence that you bring, Debbie. Oh, thank you. Uh, so for those that aren't familiar with you, can you share your story a little bit on um, your discovering more about you and bringing into that joy-based uh, living? Sure, sure. Thank you, April. It's so great to be here with you to connect with a like-minded spirit. Um, I feel like I deserve a gold star because um, I wanted to interrupt you like five times during that introduction because you were getting me on soapboxes and pulpits by some of the things you were saying, and I stayed quiet. So I'll say a little bit about my background. Um, and, and I want to give a context. I want to kind of put a little stake in the ground here that joy is a discipline. Joy is a discipline and, and play as an adult in this world that we're in right now is a discipline. So uh, my first major was education. I always wanted to be a teacher until I in interned in a school in Miami, Florida, and there were like 40 kids and it felt more like babysitting policeman management of 44th graders. And I was like, nope, that's not what I was talking about. I did teach Hebrew school, love that. I love teaching the language and, and all that. Um, then I switched majors to psychology and very quickly discovered that at the same time I was studying like spirituality, like Course in Miracles. And Course in Miracles was like, you know, listen to your heart and let love flow and remove the obstacles to love's presence. And it was very kind of laissez-faire about child rearing let's say how do you go to course in miracles for child rearing so when you go to psychology for child rearing they teach you about behaviorism and skinner which is like death to the human spirit it is just pure death and so i got a master's degree in counseling to answer the question how do you raise children with uh the balance of um you're not authoritarian and you're not so overly friendly that you're not giving your kids boundaries like where is that and so i found a middle ground there and then I started bringing a, a book. I wrote a book called Reach Your Stars. I became a coach and I, I wrote a book called, because I didn't like the counseling industry either. I felt like it was an industry that was creating, it was helping people feel safe if they were in pain, but it was not uh, inspiring people's full aliveness. It's like, oh, okay, they're okay now. Oh, they're okay now. Like if you can conform, then you're considered okay. And I consider extreme conformity a sickness. Like that's not okay. And so that wasn't feeling alive in me. So I didn't do any of the things from that degree either. And then when I became a coach, I was like, that's what I do. And um, so I brought a, a concept called Reach Your Stars to many schools. And, um, and I was also doing business coaching with people at the time. So it's like this big mixture of things. And, and then I was doing a lot of networking. I was like, I'm a really good networker. 
but I'm also very introverted. And I also didn't know at the time that I was dealing with complex PTSD, which is like, you know how PTSD people will get like flashbacks of like things that happened at war or something like that. Complex PTSD is you get washed over with feelings that just kind of like take you over. You become like a hostage to feeling takeovers. And that resulted in kind of a spiritual nervous breakdown-ish. I don't know if you call it, I don't know what to call it, but it was definitely, you know, in 12-step programs, they call it you hit bottom. So I hit bottom. Yeah. Breaking open. I totally broke. Well, I don't, yeah, I, I broke. I just, I was like, okay, I give up. And then um, through that surrender, I think we need to have like a combination between surrender and intention that feels um, balanced. And in my former coaching days, when I was in the big city, I was in Tampa at the time, um, I wore a blue suit and I was very intentional and I was reading all these um books written in the 1930s, you know, like Dale Carnegie and Napoleon Hill. And uh, I discovered that that kind of stuff, especially in a woman's body, that'll give you anxiety and a heart attack. Like, mm -hmm. like it's intentionality to such a degree that it overrides the soul. It's not, I don't think that was their intention. They were not ill-intentioned people. It's just, they were not feminine and they weren't in touch with their bodies the way that a woman would be like in today, in today's world, we have the room to be. And um, so, and then, so in that breakdown, I went through surrender and I stayed in a place of surrender without intentionality, which really freaked me out. And it freaked out everybody around me because I didn't feel integrity with coaching anybody. If I, if my life was falling apart, like, yeah. like coaching is a different thing. It's like, it's like, you, you know, you're not, you're not just teaching people something, you're helping them live their lives better and transform. But if you feel all screwed up on the inside, you can't do that. Like, I didn't feel like I could. Some people could, but I couldn't. So I just quit everything um, and surrendered and learned to, to let life support me. And then I wrote a children's book. I moved up to the mountains here. The community up here. And where is Lookout up here Mountain. for those? I'm in, I'm in Lookout Mountain in Alabama. I'm on Lookout Mountain in a little tiny town. And the people here, it's a very artsy community. And... And I did not expect this. So I, there I was in my dungarees because I, so I gave away all my suits and I wore dungarees and t-shirts for a long time. And I wrote a children's book and uh, the president of the arts council at the time was like, oh, we want you to be at the next art fair. And, and, you know, with your book. And I was like, oh, do you mean like in the children's section? And I, and I, and I hate being relegated to the, I love children, but I don't like being relegated to the children's section. It's kind of mm -hmm. like the children's table, which is yeah. fun if you want to be there. But, you know, if you're, you know, whatever. And no, he's like, no, no, in the main one. And I was like, you mean you think I'm an artist? Like this was the, like, the, but I have been doing journaling and journaling uh, with colored scribbles in my journals for many years. I just never considered it art. And mm -hmm. so um, then, you know, after being here for a while, I went on a long road trip, did 398 days of painting in a row to improve my art skills and to never get winter blues again. Cause I discovered it was color that I was missing. And I never got winter blues again after that. I did That's 398 great. paintings and then, and face on put, a, I put them on Facebook. That was in 2011, 2012. And then I learned about, I learned, I started healing trauma and that was after I started joy-based living, which was in 2016. I feel like I'm talking really fast and I'm giving you way too much information, but I'll finish with this. It, in 2016, I started joy-based living. A bunch of us within a couple of years discovered that we were dealing with uh, 
histories of narcissistic abuse and with complex PTSD. And that was not pretty because, you know, hi, I'm Debbie Happy Cohen. I'm the leader of Joy-Based Living. You want to talk about narcissistic abuse? It was just so horrible. <laughs> but So what happened out of that was I wrote a book called Sanctuary. So now uh, the members at Joy-Based Living have familiarity with the language because this really is a societal problem. It's not a mental illness. It is a societal problem. But now we have the language. We have the embodiment. We are like rock star ninjas in our, in our group because we have that as a background. Well, in the meanwhile, I was learning about authority. And, mm. you know, you ever hear these stories about how like a priest will go into a hospital room and will give somebody their last rites and the person will die. And then they'll discover that the priest was supposed to go into a different room that that mm. person wasn't supposed to die. Like there's real stories about these things. And that's because the power we give to authority and we give power to people who are uh, doctors, who are clergy. We give power to scientists. Like, you know, we give power to people in authority. So I decided I was going to create my own authority outfit. And so we have a cape, which is like a superhero. We have a collar, you know, instead of I'm Jewish, but what the hell, you know, <laughs> a priest collar instead and a crown. And so and and it's not to say that I don't appreciate authority. I'm always standing on the shoulders of giants in terms of my studies. But to give away my personal power to somebody, um, I don't want to do that. I don't want you to do that. So I want mm. you to wear your own crown, your own collar, your own cape, whatever that looks like for you. I want you to have the inner freedom to be more fully who you are in your life. And I wear mm. this because it's so ridiculous that I don't think anybody will actually imitate me. I mean, if they want to, they can. But the idea is that, oh, she did that. Maybe I could just scribble something and put it in an envelope and send it to a friend. You know, like, like in other mm. words, loosen up your own shackles of your own sense of authenticity authentic expression because authentic mm. expression is the only way to create true deep meaningful connection and and yeah. part of joy-based living for me was i'm just going to beam out a really clean signal of who i am and then let my people find me and that's what's happening and so now networking isn't overwhelming anymore because i'm not trying to prove myself I'm not mm -hmm. trying to like be this girl in a blue suit who can make results happen for people. And the other thing that was a burnout for me was I was creating amazing results for people like financially in their personal lives. And especially when it came to business coaching, it, you and I were talking about the difference between transactional versus relational. Yes. I'm very much a relational person. So when a person would hit their financial goals and then be like, okay, done with coaching. I'm like, oh my God. Like, like it was so disruptive to my nervous system. I didn't realize at the time I was dealing with CPTSD. So every time that happened, it would feel like some kind of abandonment that was never the other person's fault, you know? And there I did, I did my job and it was like, and, and, and they're happy with it, but I was left empty. I, it almost made me want to cry. And it was just like, what's wrong with me? Like, what's, why do I feel so unhappy? Well, I don't have that anymore. Now, like the people who work with me and who are creating amazing results in their lives have relationships with me that are relational and they, you know, we don't have a toxic positivity between us. We're not aiming for results. We're aiming for relatedness. And I just happen to have a brilliance that helps people 
focus, be organized. You know, if somebody's a flopper and they want to get their house organized, I'll work with their flopperness and I'll get them feeling really proud of being a flopper. And then we'll create like systems that work for them rather than trying to push them into some kind of box. Um, Mm -hmm. And so everything you see behind me is because I need a lot of reminders about what's important. (laughs) And so, I mean, like when we were healing from like narcissistic abuse crap, um, I I brought a bunch of stuff. Oh, there was one phrase that really mattered a lot. So like I put it on a thing, observe, don't absorb. Yes. Right. And so when you see this, do you notice that when you see this, if I would have shown this to you, like on a little index card and handwriting, it would have been like, oh, that's nice. But you see this and you're like, oh, it sticks. It's, It's got more stickiness to the brain because it's art. It's also telling you, oh, this must have been important or she wouldn't have painted it. Well, it tells my brain that too. And it also gives me the power of repetition. And it's also kind of a rhyme, right? Observe, Mm -hmm. don't absorb. So I look for kind of rhymey wisdom things that help me and help other people. And on the back, it says, don't hide your life. Ah, that's great. Yeah. So those, again, who are listening on the podcast, it's it's like a little brick of wood and she has it painted white and there's uh you know just stars and bright colors and it says observe don't absorb um and that's a wonderful reminder because you know even aesthetically as we connect with other people or you know we need those little something else to hook us or to remind ourselves and so that's visually pleasing that's engaging that's easier to remember and that catchy you know observe don't absorb that's also fun too I like things like that and so So, let let me ask you something April is this art perfect in my eyes I think it is amazing I don't yes, but but I mean I mean like something like that. But no, it's not like it it's not perfect. Look... Would you agree that like a ten year old could do this? Probably, right. So the idea for anybody who's listening who's not watching, the idea isn't that this wood block is perfect. Yeah. It's that it's full of loaded with energy. The way that like a mom might write a note for her kid, a mom who wasn't an artist might write a note for her kid. Can I tell you how this building block village started? Was sure. There was there was a house down the street being built from scratch and some very wealthy people were building it, which means that all of the wood was like really high quality and the cuts of wood were not they were with a saw that was sharpened. So there were no like gritty edges that was like everything was smooth. And um, they had this pile of leftover wood that they were going to burn. So I started going there and stealing pieces of wood. And, and then I would take bags with me and like, and have my friends come and like, we would pack up their, their trunk. Repurposed. You didn't I was repurposing, but I didn't, I didn't tell anybody I was doing, it. I would take Trader Joe bags with me. I would walk my dog over there. And then one day I saw the contractor over there after I had taken like a bunch of wood and, and, uh, and I, and I said, is it okay if I take some wood? And, and he said, let me check with the owner. <laughs> and they were like, okay. And then I was doing a, a, a joy based living installation at one of the art shows here. And there was a woman there who was like really enamored with all the art and the stuff. And she was showing her kids, which I thought was really cool. Cause we had like an emotional ladder. And if I see a parent looking at an, a, like a five foot tall emotional ladder and labeling their emotions with their kids, 
I just want to give that mother like 500 gold stars, right? So we end up in this conversation because that means that they have an emotionally literate household and their children, her children were following her like little ducklings. And one of them was like a teenager. So it was so cool. So we started talking, turned out she's, she's one of the builders of that house. It was her and her husband building that house. Oh, wow. I love how that came full circle, right? That's something to you. That's great. I I love those moments. I said, this whole installation wouldn't even be here if you hadn't built your house. <laughs> wow. Wow. I love that. And I, and I love how you reframe about, you know, the joy-based living. And it's not just, oh, let's just paint rainbows and think positive thoughts. You know, being playful also involves that as you said sanctuary right having that trust and also people can be transparent they can be vulnerable when they're play and it doesn't have to look like happy yippy skippy playing it it can be very reflective it can be uh painting that brick uh it it can be just having a little soul circle of people and just seeing how the dialogue unfolds and and how each other holds you know such a a beautiful piece of the puzzle of that ladder that you talked about right yeah the emotional yeah so play is is really important to understand yes there is playfulness light happy joyous right that's one aspect of play but another is the intimate play mm-hmm. that we discover within ourselves too yeah yeah it's so important because we're trained from such a young age this is one of the soapboxes when you got when you're like and the education system i'm like don't get me started about the education system um you know we're trained to we're trained to do two things when we're young we're trained to take ourselves very seriously and we are trained to look toward an authority figure for approval of who we are for our beauty our power our intelligence and our preciousness we are trained to look to somebody else to say i deem you worthy fuck that is it okay if i cuss here yeah. please tell me yes. and the it behavior me. too the What's behavior that? the behavior is also you know we look to others how we yes. should behave and if it's if there's no joy or playfulness or anything, yes. you know, it's that yes. you know, conforming and um, that just sucks all the joy, happiness. Yeah, it's it totally sucks the joy. So one of the things that I have to train people when they first join joy-based living is this is not school. It's more of a dinner conversation. I don't give a fuck if you haven't completed your homework. If you didn't, I want to know why, what's going on with you. I want you to show up to me and tell me, here are the things I did right. Because people will automatically, if I don't tell them that, they will just be like, I know, I didn't do my, I'm like, well, I, I'm not your authority figure. I'm your coach. I'm here to direct you. I'm here to help steer you in a direction that you want to go. But don't be looking to me to, to whack you with a stick because I'm not going to do it. Yeah. See, I have I have a bunch of gold stars. And so one of my one of my clients is very creative and she's like, 
let's call them do rights. So as soon as we start every coaching conversation or whatever, she'll be like, here are the do rights that I did, you know? And, and so, and so it, what it does, it's almost like joy-based living is like an antidote for perfectionism. Like uh, say that again. That joy-based living, the practices that we have at joy-based living and the, and the conversations that we have, we are an antidote for perfectionism. Mm-hmm. And pe- when people start realizing that they can let their hair down and they can be themselves and people want them that way, perfectionism starts falling away. Mm-hmm. When they realize that it's up to them to decide, I am beautiful, I am intelligent, I am precious, and I am powerful. Well, there's two things that happen. One, it's really hard to believe that all by yourself in a room all by yourself when you have so much cultural conditioning saying that you need to do certain things. So we we do something called, there's a reason there's a cow up there. There's cow. We, we, we honor cows at Joy Base Living. And practice number two in our 12 practices, which is like the foundation for all of our conversations, all of our relationships, practice number two is feed the cow, which is feed your container of worthiness. So we don't just Uh, feed our own container of worthiness. We feed each other's container of worthiness. And that can look like a compliment, an honest compliment. It can look like learning to receive a compliment. It can look like, oh my gosh, do you recognize how powerful you were when you did that? Like, it's like giving gold star um, recognition, daily honor. So the honor is not just associated with um, military funerals and politics. There's another soapbox for Reverend Sassy Shorts. You know, honor should be a daily experience. People suffer when they're not appreciated and honored. When people aren't appreciated and honored, they actually wonder, do I belong? Am I, am I okay? Am I like we will? And that is right. That's how it, because we're meant to live in community, but we just need healthy communities to live in. So it's not that we don't look to others for approval at all. It's that we have other people around us mirroring back to us, our strengths, our value, why they want us around, why they're glad that we're alive, not Mm -hmm. for their agenda. It's relatedness without agenda. It's relational, not transactional. And we're so used to being treated transactionally that we put up with a fuck ton of shit because Mm -hmm. we're like, oh, well, I checked the boxes. I checked the boxes. Yeah, well, you're stressed and, and your relationships are completely like, you know, when a fabric has been torn, like your, your relationships yes. are so thinned out because now not only do you think that you are transactional, but now you're treating other people without being mean, mm. but now you're treating other people like you are the best professional in the world. So you give people excellence, but you feel disconnected. Well, I already know about the nervous breakdown of that. So I don't let any of my people get away with that. If I feel yes. like because everybody I deal with is like, they're already excellent at what they do. They, they are, they just are but I don't let them settle for transactional excellence. No, it's going to be relational. And that means, oh, you just sold a house and it was somebody who you really like, give them a tree from like, you know, if you collect trees, give them a tree that you have in your garden. That's in one of your pots, you know, like give them something that's going to be meaningful. Give them a piece of your art that they'll go, oh, look, this came, it was personal. Yes. And otherwise, as you, I so love that about you talking about the transactional, because otherwise then when we recognize when we're in that cycle, which is conditioning, right, that, and it could happen from family, it could happen from 
you know, school or getting into the workforce or something like that and, and starting to see transactional relationships. And it's a means to an end. It, yes. it really brings it down to disposable. Yes. Disposable. And, <gasps> and you feel empty and hollow inside because then you're not finding your value in that other person's view of you or gaining that value or acceptance from them. And that hollowness, then you keep seeking you keep thinking, yep. how, how, where's my yep. value? Yep. How am I it's, going it's, to that, that seeking, bring that, that seeking, in? Let me just give a sidebar and then keep talking because I love what you're saying. I mean, I hate what you're saying, but I love what you're saying. Um, <laughs> I mean, the word disposable and hollow, my body reacts so horribly to those words. And I love that you're using them because they're so honest. Um, that feeling of disposability is the cause of much what I put in quotes, mental illness. People don't have a mental illness most of the time. They have cultural environments that make them feel sick because they're not feeling mirrored for their best selves without any agenda. So when you said a means that we're, we feel like a means to something that is the cause of most of our mental anguish and anxiety and depression. So I'm like, no, no, just fucking no. And joy-based living is the answer to no, I don't think so. And so I created joy-based living for me to be surrounded by people who would want to mirror each other kindly. Mm-hmm. Not even me. I mean, like I'm second in that way. Like, like if they're mirroring each other kindly, I'm living in a happy world. Do you see oh, what I'm yeah. saying? There's a ripple effect that there's a ripple there. effect. Yes, waking up, witnessing other people yes. in that moment, in that, as you said, in the very beginning, which I love sanctuary, right? So creating, co-creating sanctuary. Co-creating uh, sanctuary. Yeah. That's, that's, oh, 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 oh. This is one of the biggest words of praise for any of our joy-based living members. What did you just say? You just said co-creating sanctuary. So you just gave me a new phrase. Thank you for that. You get a that's right. <laughs> now she's giving me a that's right block. It's like a high five for me. It's like it's a wood block that says that's right. I'm gonna tell you a trick about that's right. You want to hear a really cool trick? I do. Okay. So I read a book a couple of years ago, maybe three years ago, that's called Never Split the Difference. And it's by Chris Voss, who was the head of the FBI um hostage unit. They had been sued because hostages had been killed. They had to figure out what they were doing wrong. They went to all kind of hostage negotiation classes, like at Harvard or negotiation classes, business negotiation. What they learned was that when you have 30 seconds with a terrorist on the phone, who's going to hang up on you, when you have 30 seconds, you need to use tactical empathy and Mm -hmm. you do not try to negotiate until you get a that's right out of the terrorist. Like an affirmation, like that they're on the right track. that you're on the same page. It's called tactical empathy. You can use it for business. You can use it for, you can use it in any, you can, if you can use it for a terrorist, you can use it for anything. So what I use it for at joy-based living is I have a sign in front of me that says sassy negotiating for joy, embracing life's awkward conversations with courage, conviction, and celebration. So when any one of us gets a, that's right out of the other, we all celebrate. 
So we're constantly negotiating for each other's joy. So when I, so now when someone gets it, that's right out of me, if we're on Zoom and I don't raise this block, they're like looking like longingly, like, are you? <laughs> where is that? Yeah, it just, it just validates that somebody yes. is, is on the right track. And yes, yes. Uh, so with this, us knowing about the cultural conditioning as I'm bringing it back to being disposable, be, you know, looking for value through other people's eyes, thinking we have to do in order to be and to live. And that's not living. No, it's not. Uh, so it's, it's actually slavery. So what, what do you recommend to somebody who is feeling that, you know, they, they want to start somewhere and they, they're recognizing that, you know, they have, they have some, uh, conditionings or just some old belief systems. I just call it old behavior patterns. And then they want to shift it just a little bit to get into more of a relaxed state so that that way they can enjoy like more playfulness in their lives. What, what um, tactics or just well, a square root Square root. I mean, common denominators must essentials to there's two essentials. One is you have to choose. You have to make the choice that you're worthy to feel good and that you're worthy to expand your joy. If you don't make that choice, there's no conversation. If you don't make that choice in the karate kid, he says, you know, either do karate or don't do karate. If you stand in the middle of the road, you're going to get squashed like a grape. Don't stand in the middle of the road. Either choose joy or don't choose joy. Don't feel guilty for not choosing joy if you're not choosing it. If you're not choosing it, then wallow in your shit until you're done wallowing in your shit. I'm completely serious. I'm not being sarcastic because the worst thing that you can feel in your mind is an inner conflict that you're a fuck up. And sometimes you got to wallow in feeling shitty and you're at the bottom of, of the barrel and when you hit bottom, if you stay there for long enough, what you discover after some time is that there's a crack in there and that's where the crack is for the way out. So if you're feeling crappy and you, I don't want you to feel crappy about feeling crappy. Just be like, I'm just feeling crappy. So, so, but, but you're asking me a question about if, if somebody wants like more joy in their lives, the first thing you have to do is you have to choose it. Mm. It seems so simple. Well, the choice is so challenging. I'm going to tell you why it's so, I'm going to tell you why it's so challenging. I'm going to tell you exactly why it's so challenging and how I solved it. It's so challenging because just because you choose it doesn't mean around the, all the people around you aren't going to call you stupid, silly, ignorant, irresponsible. I mean, I can give you a litany of words, lazy, what's wrong with you because you're not conforming to them. So the second thing that you do, and I'm going to just make this a blatant sales pitch, get the 12 practices and surround yourself with at least one person who's also doing the 12 practices, because I wrote those practices so that we could develop a healthy relationship with ourselves and a healthy relationship with other people that they could do back in return for us. Now, when mm -hmm. I wrote the 12 practices, I did not know as much as I do now about trauma and about CPTSD. I just knew that the 12 practices were right. Like, you know, when something's right, you're like, I, I made a path for myself. And then once I made that path and then I started learning about trauma, I was like, thank God for this path. Because what happens in a lot of trauma conversations, when you go to get support, 
you get stuck in a room full of grief, anger, rage, and, and trying to heal shame. And I think there's an important place for that, for like, um, for having some validation, like, Hey, I'm not crazy. I'm not the only one with this thing called disenfranchised grief. Go look that up if you need to, or mother hunger, go look that up if you need to. But when you're in, when you're in a room full of people who are experiencing narcissistic abuse, that is too much for anybody's nervous system to tolerate. It's kind of like if you're going through a shit storm, let's say you're grieving. Do you want to go to a funeral that is about somebody who you love where everybody else is grieving someone else that's important to them? Or do you want to go to a funeral where you're showing up in your full grief and everybody's there as kind of like they're to support you because they have enough bandwidth to do so. Mm-hmm. And so joy-based living in the 12 practices is meant to help create small communities, you know, two, three, four, five, eight people where people around you, you can show up anywhere on the emotional scale on the emotional ladder. I know you like my emotional ladder, so I'm going to show it to you right here. It's got all the colors there, right? So- yeah. And so those who are, who are watching, uh, you can see that. And those on the podcast, is there a PDF of these visual aids that you yeah, have just, just, that go, I, just go to joybaseliving.com and look up emotional ladder there's a search bar at the bottom perfect. just look up emotional okay, ladder perfect or go you. to my link tree i have a new link tree that's link tree forward slash debbie happy cohen d-e-b-b-i-e-h-a-p-p-y-c-o-h-e-n and you'll see the link directly for this so then we'll post those at the up. end also yeah, yeah i'm uh, just i'm just telling yeah. like so because so people don't have and when someone's in trauma searching for something not that all your people are but if anybody is and you give them like too big of an instruction like go to the joy-based living website which is like a major big library it can feel overwhelming so that's why i'm like okay it's really simple at linktree because you want to keep things really simple when someone's overloaded otherwise they'll get lost so i'm 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 saying that out of kindness like there's a search bar at the bottom just look up emotional ladder and you'll see uh, versions that you can print out. You'll see instructions. You'll see a version that Wonderful. you can have as your, as your, uh, you know, for your phone, for your phone, uh, what do you call it? Homepage land, whatever on your phone, um, on your lock screen. So the, the way that you use the emotional ladder is you, when you first start using it, you can ask yourself every hour, you could put a timer on and go, what am I feeling right now? And you can just point to it. So this is a very simplified mm-hmm. version. And, and the idea, and this is really important, the idea is that there are no bad feelings. So whether you're all the way at the bottom at powerlessness or you're all the way at the top in joy, you are simply a divine, spiritual, infinite being having a human experience and going, oh, powerlessness, oh, appreciation and joy. Now, when you're in powerlessness, the disadvantage is that you feel like you're in a dark room and there's no way out. Where when you're in appreciation, you're in the same exact room, but you see all these doors of possibilities. That's the only yes. difference. And but when you're at the bottom, you really it's so I feel so much compassion when people are at the bottom because they honestly don't see the options. And then all of a sudden you start climbing up, climbing up, and or, or flying up or vibrationally like, you know, changing your mind and going, Oh, I choose joy and I'm gonna be hanging around people who do. So let's say you have a shitty job. A not shitty job, but where people around you are kind of like nasty to each other. Besides the idea of, yeah, find another job. Make sure you have some friends reflecting back to you going, no, it's not you. 
No, exactly. It's, it's not you because we it have helps to shift shift the script and and not take on those other people's stuff. Because that's you know? what we have a tendency to do when we isolate. A lot yes. of times people isolate and blame themselves. And I don't have a problem with aloneness. I don't have a problem with isolation unless it's unless it's being used to make yourself you, unless you're becoming unhappier in it. Mm. I like isolation for myself. You know, it gives me time to think me too. <laughs> right. I'm a little right? hermit crab, you know, I'll come out and do what I need to do. And then I need my time alone and recharge and reset. That's how I work. Yep. So, yep. but there's and a healthy boundary, right? Healthy bound balance there. Healthy balance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so to give you a shortcut to the whole 12 practices ebook, cause some of you might buy it. Some of you might not like, I want to make it like, I don't care if you do, I want you to, but I don't care if you do. So I, I want you to think about, um, I came up with a little acronym before we got on the call here. I want you to say, ah, ah, and I want you to say, ha ha ha, ha ha ha. Okay. So you have the letter a and the letter H and those are appreciation and honor. So whether you say, ah, or you say, ha, 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 you have honor and appreciation, appreciation and honor. And it's a really easy way to remember it. And the other key that is the thread through all of Joy-Based Living members, through all the 12 practices is the word embodiment. Because when we're in a place of embodiment, the body doesn't lie. I read a, a book one day about horses and it said, horses don't lie. That's why equine therapy is so good. Um, the body doesn't lie. And so when you're in a place of embodiment, you are going to be more honest with yourself and then you're going to feel relief. And then you're going to learn to communicate with yourself better. The goal is that you come to feel satisfied with your own present experience. And when mm -hmm. you have people around you who are reflecting back to you, appreciation and honor, and you're giving that to them in an mm -hmm. honest way then you're creating what's called reciprocity. And that reciprocity, mm -hmm. it feels like a little uh, bumblebee getting, getting, uh, going into a flower and getting all full of pollen. And then you pass it on to other people. And then the ripple effect is very real. Now, what I've discovered is it's really important to have a small group of people that you can't just be like delivering all this, let's say on a YouTube station into infinity and not having somebody reflecting back to you. I see mm -hmm. you. And I think that you have value just by your own very presence. And so I kind of treat joy-based living. My wish is that joy-based living would be as popular as Alcoholics Anonymous, that anytime someone just simply wants an authentic conversation, that they can just find a group in any city. And so we're growing that idea very, very slowly right now. And I'm not trying to rush the process because it's not a problem centric thing and it's not a results oriented thing. It's a lifestyle. Mm, mm. Yes. And, and it's often people who've been through enough trauma or through enough. Uh, I know one person who she wasn't personally traumatized, but she did a lot of artwork for uh, on behalf of raising money for women who'd been sex trafficked and she wanted to stop sex trafficking. So for like 30, 40 years, she was promoting stopping sex trafficking and raising a lot of money for them. So she had what I call trauma by proxy. It's when uh -huh. people have either witnessed and you'll get physical symptoms, just like someone who's been traumatized. So you got to be careful. Um, it, what you want to do is um, 
be aware of your own body's experiences so that you can learn to meet your needs. Because when you say, here's what I feel, then you can say, here's what I need. And then you can say, here's what I want. And then you can learn to ask for what you need and you can go from there. So what I've discovered is that people who've touched into trauma, either by having experienced it or having a lot of empathy for people in that world, people who've healed on the other side of that, they are so hungry for authenticity. And it's just so hard to find unless you're in a therapist's office, which has its own agenda. So it's people who've been through a lot who are often the best candidates for joy-based living because they're like, you know what? I've already seen the darkest of the dark. I mean, that was horrible, but I'm not scared anymore. Can we just play? And so, you know, we're not people who care about gossiping. We're not people who care about talking about politics. Like I I modeled it after the 12-step programs like AA. They don't talk about politics. They don't talk about things that are external. They talk about what's going on in the inside and how each person is growing and evolving. And here we're not growing and evolving out of an addiction or out of codependency, even though some of us are, that's not the idea. The idea is that we're growing into greater joy. And so like Course in Miracles says, this is a course on love or something like that, but we're not, you can't build the building blocks to love because love is who you are. You can only remove the obstacles to love. So at Joy-Based Living, we're removing the obstacles to joy. Joy is our nature. Puppies are happy. Babies are happy. We're born for joy. We're born for connection. And when we don't let ourselves have that, we feel sick and we need to stop blaming ourselves for that. That's a cultural issue. And we get to put an end to it by becoming more honestly and authentically uh, joyful, honoring, and appreciative of who we are (laughs) and, and who others are within a sphere of people who want to give and receive that. Oh. That's so powerful. And it's, it's really empowering others. And just bringing it back to the first thing you said is the person needs to choose. Yes. They have to choose themselves. Yes. They have to choose, they have to be aware and choose. And then I really like how you bring it into the embodiment, because that's what I'm all about with wellness. It's tapping in, tuning in, you know, oh, I have this, you know, shoulder issue and, you know, I've been grieving the passing of so-and-so and, you know, I'm just feeling this really hurt here. And so just witnessing that our bodies are responding to our thoughts, to the environment. And when we don't feel safe or supported, it's going to respond. This is our filter. We live, this is what we get to move on this earth this earthly plane is through our bodies so there's a lot more to our bodies than what we really uh, give it credit for we seem to objectify it and use it mm-hmm. as a means to an end instead of really enjoying and listening yeah yes. and then, then when we witness that and build that relationship then we're more free we can we flow a lot easier our bodies move and then that's when you can really you know start playing and enjoying life so can you share with us how you utilize the the power of play i know you've hinted here and there about joy-based living but like on a personal note like what do you do for yourself? For play? Yeah. 
Well, I mean, I love painting. I love my markers. I like the things you see around me that are here are things that I actually love. And so for me, it's, it's more about spending time with friends who are also like-minded and people who, who have the discipline of joy, but not toxic positivity so that we could just be really real with each other and yet know that we're together to have a really great day and then let the day unfold and let the magic of the day happen and be open to the magic of that. And so sometimes it looks like waking up in the morning and going, all right, God, what are we going to do today? What kind of magic are you going to sprinkle in my day? And so so it it's it's more of an attitude than an activity. Mm, yes. Right. And so it can look like anything. Cause some days I'm like really tired or like exhausted. They call it compassion fatigue or whatever. And I just want to binge watch Ted Lasso and shrinking and I want to rewatch them and Mrs. Maisel and, you know, just sit and just do, do nothing and just let my brain chill. Um, I really like different kinds of meditation that really allow me to practice being the witness as that infinite self that we all are. And that is a very, that feels like a, a cool, warm pond in a beautiful area. You know, just, I feel so fed and nurtured by that. Um, you know, I take Jonathan with me sometimes. He loves going to the supermarket. And okay, then, can you describe Jonathan? So those that are listening. Oh, Jonathan. Okay. So he's orange and he's furry and I could put my hand up his butt and speak with his mouth. We don't say the P word around he here. He looks okay? like a Muppet basically. He looks like, he does look like a Muppet. He's really awesome. And like, we'll go to the supermarket and he'll just like say hi to everyone. Cause Jonathan loves making friends right now. He's on a stand. So I'm not going to do his mouth, but, but I'll tell about him. Um, so he loves making friends. And if he says hi to like three cashiers and then we're walking on the way out and he forgets to say hi to like the, the last one there, they will look at him longingly like a three-year-old who didn't get said hello to by like, I don't know, you know, Sesame Street. So, <laughs> like, like little kid, the little kid comes out in people or like the person behind me at the grocery store who sees Jonathan is looking at me like really weird and he'll get right in their face and go, hi, I'm Jonathan. What's your name? <laughs> and they don't know what to do. And they answer me. They answer Jonathan. <laughs> answer us and so Jonathan just he loves making friends and he's like our joy-based living mascot and uh um, I got, I got, Jonathan, he's amazing I so love him Jonathan and is so I wonderful. think that's a beautiful way to bring playfulness out too in other people like you said even though they're kind of taken back they still play with you they still answer yeah right because it's not you that's speaking it's Jonathan and that's psychologically, that's very intriguing to me that people will talk to dogs and cats and animals. And yet when they turn to another person because of the judgment, because of whatever that is past events, you know, they, they kind of shut down. So yeah. by you bringing Jonathan in and talking to people uh, really allows them to play in a spontaneous it, way. It and like little kids will just get really bug out. Like they'll just like stare at him. Well, I want to tell you a personal story about Jonathan. The other day when we were, you know, we're in this class together, right? 
and and we were being given a, an assignment and I was really having a hard time like I, we were supposed to write stuff down and I'm like oh this is hard this is hard and Jonathan was like he's on a he's on a skateboard by the way Jonathan's got a skateboard he was like back here and and I'm like sitting here struggling 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 and automatically I go like this I'm like Jonathan Jonathan stay with me <laughs> so so <laughs> Like I brought Jonathan like close up to me so that I could feel like I had company and it was very Mm -hmm. personal. Like that moment was, it was almost shocking because like, I don't, I don't, it was just such a moment of revelation that, that Jonathan brings me so much comfort that in that moment in the zoom class that people, if you go back to that zoom episode, you could see me like I'm bringing Jonathan like close to me. So I could feel comforted to get the assignment done. Like what if every kid had like a little Jonathan that sat next to them in school? Mm -hmm. I know know? I had a blanket growing up. I, I had a blanket for, oh my gosh, I think I was like in second third grade to where my parents were trying to talk me into giving it as a gift to the garbage man oh no and what'd you do I'm not gonna throw blanky away you know so I can see that resource you know the the comforting and gives you more you know confidence and just having his presence there with you also helps to relax right that's part of that sanctuary that's part it did. of it gave me it gave connection. me a moment of like it's okay like I was like a little kid like it's okay my friends call me happy d it's okay happy d it's okay <laughs> and it gave me permission to do it wrong to do the assignment uh, wrong it say gave that me again that, that it gave me permission to do it wrong it gave me permission to simply let my pen flow And then when we were asked, you know, who wants to share, I remember, you know, raising my hand and sharing and saying, I know this isn't exactly what you asked for, but I did my best, you know? And so I felt like a little kid in that moment in a healthy way. Like, like that's what healthy learning should look like. Exactly. And I think that's, what's missing is recognizing when we were children and being shamed or we didn't give the right answer or you get your paper back and it's all in red ink, you know, all the, all the shaming yeah. about not answering right, or, yeah. Yeah. you know, the behavior, that type of thing. We still carry those yeah, within ourselves. So by you just saying, it's okay. If I get it wrong, it's Jonathan, okay. Jonathan, Jonathan. I'm learning. I'm learning. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's like permission to relax. You know, kind of like you said, you were in the Navy. Like, I don't know if they say this in the Navy, but I've seen like in movies, like at ease soldier at ease. It's like at ease. It's like, we're all walking around like soldiers mm. and I'm, yes. I'm walking around going at ease, at ease. At ease. And me and Jonathan are like a team. We're like at ease. <laughs> oh, that's great. I so love him. Thank you for sharing Jonathan with us. Oh, welcome. Jonathan, been... thanks you too. Jonathan loves being in front and like, he loves, like he loves being on zoom way more than I do. Like he loves, he like, I'm like really talkative and stuff. Cause you're asking me about a topic that I really like and I'm passionate and I want to share the message, but I don't love being on zoom as much as he does. <laughs> it's okay, easy like... for him, right? He just glides on a skateboard and oh, has his happy presence. Like, 
like he just Jonathan just wants to make friends that's it I think he just wants to play right he just that's wants what to it's play all, about. all the time oh Debbie thank you for sharing and playing with us today and uh, for those who are curious and want to learn more about you and maybe even join your uh, joy-based living group what's a good contact information Okay. So people can get in touch with me at joybaseliving.com. I now have, um, you know, a really wonderful, uh, description up front and you can see if it's right for you. If you want to join us, it'll tell you exactly what to do. If you want more interactive stuff, uh, join me at Patreon. I have events there and you'll find that at joybaseliving.com. So if you just go to joybaseliving.com, just go to the homepage and scroll down, like, I don't know, a couple inches you'll see a video and it's below the video. You'll see some table of contents um, there and you'll see Patreon and that's where you can join our events. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, thank you again, my friend. Thank, thank you for you. coming out and playing and sharing all the things with us. I'm sure everybody will have to uh, feed their cows yes! and, and, Listen more than once because Debbie, you just gave so much information yes. in such a short amount of time. There's a lot of good nuggets in there, people. So please re-listen to this and share with others that you feel that could use uh, Debbie's spontaneity and you know joyful based living. And also, please subscribe. Subscribe if you like this. Uh, channel and Debbie's and also please leave a comment we want to hear how you are using the power of play in your life I would and love also, to see your comments I'd love to see your questions I'd love to see your comments that would be really yes, fun yeah a lot of fun right playing right that's mm -hmm. what it's all about there's no judgment here so until next time my friends thank you well. so much April you're most welcome Debbie What is it you really want in life? No matter what you've been through, you can still achieve it. I'm Sandra Ann Taylor, and in my Energy Activation Podcast, we'll explore the science of manifestation, and I'll give you specific techniques to shift your energy in order to make your dreams a reality. I also do live energy readings, and you can be a part of the show by emailing your questions to me at sandrataylor.net. Join me on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.